people really are, what's going on in their lives. Unfortunately, with the way the world is sometimes, being aware of all that stuff is sometimes not the most positive. Sometimes the news you're hearing and what you're reading actually can be pretty negative. Uh, one example, I don't know about you, but politically, I'm yet to find anybody who thinks things in the UK are going really well right now. And on a personal level, when you dig beneath the surface, I think everybody has their own strains and stresses, things going on in life that are not so easy and not so good. And knowing too much of this can sometimes make us feel a bit overwhelmed, a bit negative, or a bit down. And I think there are various sticking plasters that we use in order to deal with this. Uh, firstly, I think one response is to stick our heads in the sand, bury it, pretend that it's not going on. So we might decide, I'm not going to read the news because it's all negative, or I'm not really going to ask how you are beyond hearing, I'm fine, thanks. Secondly, I think we can choose to distract ourselves. So we've had a tough week, so we go and plan something really nice for the weekend, something, a night out, or perhaps we book a holiday, get away somewhere, get away from it all, just try and pretend that that stuff's not going on. Or thirdly, and this is one that I've been trying to do, we can actively try and look for some of the good news in the world. Um, so I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I became quite discouraged with so much negativity in the normal media. There's actually a website which you can look up which exclusively has good news stories. I like to try and lift our spirits a bit. But underneath it all, some of the negativity is still there. Um, the world is not quite how it ought to be. We are in need of hope. And ultimately, I believe we're in need of God. Um, and I think the temptation can be sometimes to think that things are getting worse. Things are worse than they were before. Um, but I don't actually think it's anything new. I think if we look back in history, if we look back to Jesus' day, actually there was a lot of struggles, a lot of problems then too. As we look back over the sermon series over the past month or so, uh, we can see a big overarching story. Uh, back in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, things were good. Things were made right. Um, People had a good relationship with God, people had a good relationship with each other, um, and people had a good relationship with the world. But into that situation, Adam and Eve ate the apple, or whatever it was, and that sin entered the world, and things became broken. There was a disconnect put between us and God, us and each other, and us and the world. And that has led to a lot of the problems that we're seeing today. And Roshan spoke about the promise of God last week, that into this situation, the Jewish people were given a promise that things would one day be made right. There was a rescuer coming, a Messiah, who would fix things and return things, restore them to how they ought to be. But by the time Jesus comes along, this had been hundreds of years in the past. God seemed distant. God might have seemed a bit silent. The country had been split in two. The Romans had invaded. They'd come in with their laws, with their taxes making life quite tricky for people. Um, and just by virtue of being born in that part in history, they didn't have some of the benefits we've got in terms of modern technology, modern farming, modern medicine. So life certainly wouldn't have been easy. The passage I read from was from Isaiah. Um, but you may or may not be aware that this passage actually appears twice in the Bible, once in the Old Testament in Isaiah and once in the New Testament. So if you can put finger in the Isaiah one, keep it open, but turn with me to Luke chapter four. It's on page 1031, 1031. So it's Luke chapter four. And we're going to look at it in the New Testament as well. Okay, so it's 1031, Luke chapter four. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. 
He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and was handed the scroll of the promise of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is the bit we read earlier. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we're going to compare the two slightly. Um, so that's what I'm saying, if you can hold them both open for a minute. And um, the context here that Jesus is preaching in is in a synagogue, so the Jewish church. And um, what would happen is on a Sunday, people would be sat down and the president, whoever was overseeing the service, would pick somebody at random and would say, come up and come and share the word of God to us. So they would read the scripture and they would explain and they would interpret it. Most of the time, um, the interpretation would be something that was already known. So something that perhaps they'd been taught uh, in synagogue school, right? So they would have learned this and it would be a question of whether or not they could remember it. So people sitting in the audience would already know what the person should be saying, what they ought to be remembering, and would be looking out for if they missed anything or if they needed to be corrected somewhere. We're not going to do that today. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. You'll be glad to know. When Jesus speaks, however, what he says, and it says here, it says, today the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. That is not what they would have been taught at synagogue school. That is not what would have been expected. That would have been very different. He'd have got up, spoken something new into the context, said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when I read this, I was at first a bit confused. I was thinking, well, what is it that Jesus is referring to? What is it that has been fulfilled in your hearing today? And I think the answer to this lies in knowing the context back in Isaiah. So Isaiah 61, most of it is fairly similar, but I think the significance is in where Jesus stops. So back to Isaiah 61, the bit that Jesus is quoting from is verses 1 and 2. You can see at the beginning of verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. Now that's a single sentence and Jesus stops halfway through it. He doesn't continue on to the end of the sentence, he actually stops. And I don't think that's accidental. I don't think the piece of parchment ran out halfway through the sentence. Jesus deliberately stopped, made that the end of his reading and sat down to preach. Why? And I think it's deliberate because the second bit of the sentence talking about the day of vengeance, also known as judgment day, we might be more familiar with that term, hasn't come yet. So for Jesus to say this is fulfilled in your hearing, well it wouldn't be fulfilled in your hearing. Judgment day has not yet come, it has been deferred. So what Jesus is announcing, the bit he's saying is being fulfilled today, is the year of the Lord's favour, a much more positive good news story for the people listening. If you haven't heard of the year of the Lord's favour, that would have been a, a phrase the Jewish listeners would have known and recognised. It refers to something known as the year of Jubilee, which was a Jewish custom that happened every 50 years. And um, it's spoken about in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 25. Um, and it's described as, and I quote, 
each of you shall return to his own property and his own family. And it was a really exciting time, very countercultural. And um, people who were slaves on the year of Jubilee, they would be set free, made free men. People who owed money, who were in debt, they would have their debts cancelled on the year of Jubilee. Land that had been farmed and put through a lot and made to work hard was actually given a year of rest. There was a Sabbath for a whole year. Things were allowed to recuperate and recover and be restored to how they were meant to be. So when Jesus says this scripture, the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favour, is fulfilled in your hearing, that's what people would have understood. And I don't think it's just a factual statement in the same way as we would say, this is 2019. I think the significance of saying this is the year of Jubilee, this is the year of the Lord's favour, is spiritual. So it is an announcement, a signal to the Jewish people listening that the time of waiting, that time of waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled, the time of waiting for the Messiah, that was coming to an end. Jesus was announcing that the long-awaited promise of God was here. Finally, after all this wait and all this time, Jesus was here and he was the fulfillment of God's promise. And that with him arriving, they could expect all the good things described. So the Isaiah passage this was going to happen. The opening of blind eyes was going to happen through Jesus. Freedom to the captives was going to happen through Jesus. Freedom, rest, going to happen through Jesus. And ultimately, in two weeks' time, when we look at the events of Holy Week, we see how Jesus' death on the cross brings us all forgiveness and restores our relationship with God. It is the ultimate putting right of what has gone wrong in the world. So for the people listening in the synagogue that day, nobody would have gone home and gone, sermon? What sermon? I can't remember the sermon today. What was that guy talking about? No, they would all have remembered. They'd have all gone, wow, what do you think he meant? Do you think it was really true? Could he have been confused? Do you think Jesus is a bit funny? Do you think he really gets what he's saying? And if it is true, what's it going to look like for us? Does it mean everything's suddenly going to be back to the way it should be? I'd like to think that if I was there, Jesus got up and I heard those words, I'd have thought, I want to know more. I want to know more. What is it that he's going to do? If I followed him round a bit, am I actually going to see these things coming to pass? And if it was, and I really did see it, what an incredible time. So for us today, into some of our negative news and negative things going on in the world, this same statement such a statement, such a proclamation of joy and of hope. In that into the midst of our broken world, of our personal pain and our disconnected relationships with others, Jesus comes to us today with that proclamation of restoration. Uh, this, this passage that Jesus um, is speaking about in Luke 4 is sometimes called his inaugural, his inaugural speech in the same way as a president would stand up and give a first speech or a prime minister might stand up and say, this is what I'm planning to do while I'm in government. Um, and this is in some ways Jesus' mission statement. He's setting up what he plans to do. Um, and, and even back then, even though it's the beginning of this, he is still looking at the ultimate setting free that would happen on Good Friday. His death would ultimately be paying the price for sin and finally enabling all of humanity to be free. So although this is right at the beginning and the launch of Jesus' mission, his face from this point on was set towards the cross. Just like the Jewish listeners, I think we too can struggle with our response to this claim, to this statement. Can we really believe it? 
Is Jesus really the promised Messiah? Does he really come to do these things? The people listening in Luke 4 wouldn't have known what was coming next. This was one of the first things that Jesus did. But they could watch and see. They could follow him around. They could go and see him doing miracles. They could see him preaching. They could see him reconnecting people with God. And ultimately, they would see the fulfillment of God's promise when he died on our behalf and rises from the, again, from the dead. So that's a little spoiler alert for Easter. However, unlike the Jewish listeners who would have had to put their faith in what Jesus was yet to do and hadn't done it yet, we can put our faith in what he has already done. Unlike them who are looking forward in time and waiting to see what happens, we can put our faith in what has already happened. We are looking back. So when Jesus said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, we don't need to go follow him around. We can read it. We can look not just at Luke 4, but Luke 5 and Luke 6 and Luke 7 and so on. Read the rest of the story. We can see it unfold. We can see how blind eyes were literally opened by Jesus. People were set free. They were set free from illness, set free from demons, and even set free from death. We can see him explaining the scriptures, forgiving sins, and ultimately the big rescue promise coming up at Easter. And I think we can also look around in our own lives. We can invite God to reveal ourselves himself further. We can invite him to open our blind eyes so that we can see what he is doing and how he is acting to intervene, to change, save and redeem the world. Ask him to show us where are the bits of light where he is investing in people's lives? Where are the bits of truth where he is opening our eyes? How is he restoring and putting things right, even in a world which is still ultimately in need of a savior? And I think when we come and see uh, and recognize this amazing news of Jesus, it can bring us joy and hope. It's such a message of good news in the midst of a world which is still broken. And I think one of the best things is we get to share this with others. We don't keep this good news to ourselves. We get to share this joy. We get to share this hope with other people. That actually, not that everything will suddenly be fixed overnight, but that we can trust Jesus. We can know his hope, his comfort, his peace, and his presence with us, despite whatever we might be facing. So, um, there's a couple of questions that are going to come up on the screen. If you could pop them up, Rachel. So I'm um, just going to read through these. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pick one that maybe resonates with you. So just quietly. So do you want to pray that God would help you to trust and believe in what Jesus has said and done as we read about it in the Bible? Do you want to be able to see more of what he is doing here and now and to know his hope and joy? Or that you would be able to partner with him in sharing this amazing good news with others? So take a minute, pick one that you think, actually, that's more where I'm at. Okay, hopefully you've all thought maybe one or two that you think that resonates to you. What I'd like us to do is, in a minute, um, to turn in a pair maybe with one or two others um, and you don't necessarily have to chat about why just say this is the one I'd like you to pray with me about or this is the one I want to pray about um, if, if you feel comfortable uh, you can maybe put a hand on somebody's shoulder while you're praying for them if not that's fine we just want to invite God to answer this prayer so why don't we um, just pray quickly together before we turn and invite the Holy Spirit to come
Holy Spirit, we thank you for the challenge uh, that you've put before us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. God, this amazing good news that you are willing and you did come to earth as our saviour and our rescuer. Lord, we thank you um, that you can give us faith to trust and believe in what you have said and done. And God, we ask that um, you would help us to recognise what you're doing here and now. And help us, Lord, in sharing this amazing news with other people. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you here into our time this morning. Amen. So if you want to turn in a two or three, we'll spend a few minutes just give you the opportunity to pray with people.